Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to this month's GPS Training Podcast. It's our 31st episode. In this month's podcast, we again have Ian and myself, John, both from GPS Training, and we also have an interview with a special guest, an amazing individual called Paul Freeman. So welcome, Ian, to this month's GPS Training Podcast. Thank you very much, John. Have you been? Thank you. Good to speak to you as well. Have you been up to much over the past month, Ian? Uh, Courses, John. Courses. Done done a couple of courses. So we started off uh, mid January uh, in a a Garmin course down on South Downs, which actually was for me not a bad weekend for weather, which made a change. Yes, (laughs) it was almost a completely dry course. Um, And then I've just got back from a course up in Northamptonshire at Great Cransley. So, um, yep, so a couple of weekends of courses, and I've got more courses coming up very soon. So, pretty busy. I've not looked at it. You've got quite a busy month ahead, have you, or not? Or Yeah, yeah, we've got, so we've got a SATMAP course, um, uh, about three weeks' time, I think it is right. now. Then I've got a Burley course in the New Forest at Burley mm-hmm. at the very end of February. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I go straight into more courses pretty much into March that are booking up nicely so fantastic good stuff what we want i've got a weekend off this weekend which is when the podcast gets launched and then i've got three weekends on the trot so i'm, I'm peak district no where am i going to peebles then the peak district then the lake district so three weekends on the trot as i make my way around northern england yep. and the scottish borders um hopefully teaching people how to use their gps units you'll be able to do them blindfolded by the end so, yeah, lots of hotels ahead of me but i'm yes, looking forward to it. I, I do yes. like doing them on the trot you're going to get yourself into yeah, the swing you do don't you certainly do brilliant so without further ado let's get on with today's podcast in this month's podcast it's a slightly different podcast we're going to start off with an interview with paul freeman paul has just completed a 108 mile spine challenger race it's a really good interview and a really good insight into that long distance walker stroke runner we also have Ian's FAQs, the frequently asked questions Ian has answered while supporting our customers or some on some of our GPS training courses he's been leading over the past month. So to start off this month's podcast, let's listen to our interview with Paul Freeman. Paul Freeman is one of our Shepherd's Walks guides. As people may know, Shepherd's Walks is the parent company of GPS training. For Shepherd's Walks, Paul leads map and compass training courses here in Northumberland. And he's also an active member of Northumberland National Park Mountain Rescue Team. Last, well, in January this year, he did the spine race, um, which he was raising money for the Northumberland National Park. If people don't know the Montaigne Spine Race, there's actually three races that are incorporated, incorporated into one. There's a Montaigne Spine Challenger race, which is 108 miles in length. There's a Montaigne Spine MRT Challenge, which is for Mountain Rescue Team members, which is also 108 miles. And this is the one that Paul was undertaking. And then there's the big Montaigne Spine Race, which is 268 miles in length. On each of these races, there's a time limit to complete them. Paul was navigating on the on the Challenger race, the Mountain Rescue Challenge race, using his SatMap Active 20 GPS unit with his Platinum card. He had 1 to 10,000, 1 to 25,000, and 1 to 50,000. I know Ian had helped him a little bit during his recce when he did that earlier on, well, late last year. In the build-up to the event, 
Paul had both been on our SatMap GPS training course. He did both the course in the Lakes and Northumberland. And he's also came on with some of our, our online webinars when we used to do these for SatMap users. As I've also said, Ian had helped a little bit when he's out, I think, bivouacking or camping, wasn't he, Ian? Yes, um, I think he was. He had a few problems. Uh, Christmas, he had a few <laughs> problems, and I know, Ian, you helped him remotely one night <laughs> to, um, to help him get a few little problems sorted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So last week I caught up with Paul in the GPS training office. He had his medal with him, and I hope you agree it's a truly inspirational, open, and honest chat with him. If you remember and read the GPS training newsletter, we interviewed Paul before he started out on the 108 mile challenge uh, uh, walk that runs along the spine event. Um, so welcome, Paul, to this month's GPS training podcast. Morning, John. And congratulations. Thank you very much. What an achievement. <laughs> Stunning weather. So if people haven't read the article, um, you did the Spine Challenge Race for Mountain Rescue, didn't you? Which runs alongside the Challenge Race. It's not the 280-mile walk. It's a 108-mile walk, but that's still a long distance. Yeah. And, yeah. and you've got a number of hours to do that under, mm. isn't it? Yeah, you have a maximum of 60 hours. Right, to do it. And what, two weeks ago, is it now? Uh Yes, it is. Two weeks, two weeks ago. I couldn't believe, I must say this, and I know Paul very, very well, I couldn't believe how fresh he looked <laughs> when he walked in the office. <laughs> I think if I had done that, I mean, I'd be still laying in bed trying to recover. So, and I must just say, actually, you just come back from the Cairngorms, haven't you, from yeah. Scotland. So. <laughs> you're, a, you're a legend in your own right. So, so 108-mile um, walk for um, that runs, and you did this um, overset period, and you had a couple of times sleeping. So... You went down on the Friday and then you start at nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, we actually went down on the Thursday. Right. Um, because on the Friday you have compulsory kit check. Okay. And registration. So you need to be there the day before. Brilliant. So you were down there. Where did you stay in a hotel or something down there? No, we just stayed in um, uh, a wee little cottage right, uh, okay. in Edale itself, which was really good. Fantastic. And then you start at nine o'clock on the Saturday morning. Didn't the, the, the other challenge race start at eight? Yes, that's right. An hour yeah, later. we start an hour later. Fantastic. And then you could catch up those people that like a hair in front of you, really? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that, but. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so you start off. Um, Oh, what were the conditions like? I've seen a lot of the footage. If people have not seen the footage, you need to go mm. to the Montaigne Spine mm. Race uh, Facebook yeah. page and watch the video. It was, I know last year they had tremendous snow, didn't they? But this year it was just wind and storm after storm, wasn't it? Um, on the Challenger, yes, it was. We got hit by two periods of bad weather. Um, the first within, I think, after the first 12 hours and then for the following 12 hours, really bad weather. And then there was a break. And then towards the end of the event, we got hit by Storm Brendan. Mm -hmm. And of course, mm -hmm. the full spine racers coming all the way along the Pennine Way, they then hit snow in the northern Pennines. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so they had quite bad weather, particularly over Crossfell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just had tremendous wind and rain. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, most people, including myself, were blown over at some mm -hmm. point. I must just say, people hopefully realise the spine race is, is following the Pennine Way, it's it in the full spine yeah. race, starting from the Peak mm -hmm. District mm -hmm. and ending up in Yetham. But you finished in Hawes, didn't we you? We finished in Hawes. 
actually a slow last <laughs> but I'm just laughing it's been a bit of a joke because every scene says but you were slow that last day and he's been telling me about some of the conditions which we'll go over again mm. but uh, I think he's uh, he says you know, I mean I keep saying that you know and if people don't know uh, with the spine race you, you can watch the dots um, so we, we all sit there in the comfort of our own home yeah. and, and you have a, a live tracker yeah. and we can use exactly where we are so we can sit there with a glass of wine on a Saturday yeah. night in front of the fire yeah. and be a critic of it, it, it's really interesting because you know everybody is watching you. Yes. Yeah. So the pressure is is quite remarkable, really. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you make a navigational error, you mm-hmm. you just hope that you make your navigational errors at three in the morning when everybody's <laughs> asleep. Yeah. So it's quite interesting those live trackers. Again, it's, mm. it's a GPHA podcast. The live tracker put on, and and they had tremendous battery life because we could yeah. see how much your battery had left. And the guys yeah. doing the whole of the spine race, they never they never changed the no. battery on them the whole. No, it's days. very rare, very rare for for a tracker to need the batteries changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and does that sit on the shoulder? It of your sits rucksack? on the shoulder of the rucksack, so it's got a clear sky view. Mm-hmm. It also means that if you're in trouble, you can reach it without having to take your rucksack off. They have SOS buttons on. They them. do. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, you do get into problems that that's your first port it is yeah press the sos button but as you're aware he's watching you yes (laughs) never press the sos button (laughs) we'll flag up in the world we'll see it so you start off um i suppose Mm. after some hopefully good night's sleep maybe not nervous uh, yeah there and um i suppose you were up early that first day where you yeah we were um obviously you've got to be down for the start uh I think we were down at the start around 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, put your drop bag with the remaining kit that travels up the course with you. So your drop bag is your extra clothes, batteries yeah. for your GPS units Food, or everything. Food. Yeah. And that gets dropped off at... That follows you up the course. So the first place you would meet that bag again is at Hebden Bridge, How which is, is that? that's about 45 miles up the okay. course. And then it would go to the finish at Hawes. So right. you won't see your drop bag... You only see it once, once. It's actually yeah. Really. yeah. But that was a relief, was it, when you came across your job back? Or not? Yeah, um, but of course you've got to make lots of important choices, really. You know, mm-hmm. whether you change kit, um, you've obviously got batteries to replace on GPS and head torches. Um, mm-hmm. Change those automatically, whether they're flat or not. You just do it automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, change food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's important. Um, but once that, once you've left that bag, you don't see it again until the finish. Mm-hmm. So. so we start in the morning, yeah. um, terrible conditions, very wet. Very, very windy. windy, the first 12 hours, mm-hmm. tremendous wind. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for those that might know it, you, you quite quickly get onto the Kinder Plateau and cross <clears throat> the um, Kinder Downfall, yes. the waterfall which that day was not only blowing up, it was blowing back as well. If people um, have seen that, I was just watching yeah. this, like, there's some really good videos on yeah. YouTube of people are with GoPros and everybody's yeah. commented about the, the waterfall yeah. going up and across, across. the path, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it yeah, got so. absolutely soaked. Um, mm-hmm. So then you skirt around Kinder Scout, uh, drop down to, uh, eventually drop down to Crowden, um, where there's a, the local mountain rescue team have a hot drink uh, stall and mm-hmm. a quick stop um, and then you start to climb over Black Hill right where we then got hit by the first belt of bad weather yeah. mm-hmm. for the next 12 hours brilliant and then 
Are you in night then? Are you? Yeah, we're in night. Uh, darkness descended just as we started to go up the main part of Black Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you drop down to Everton Bridge. Well, no, we well. you drop. Um, you cross a minor road at a place called Wessendon. Yeah. Then you've got another big moorland section to Standage. Um, and then over the motorway, over the over the M62. Bet that was a little bit spooky. After you've been in total remoteness and isolation yeah. to cross the M62 for you early hours. It of the is morning, isn't very it? strange. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> people There's all these a, people made a mundane life yeah, 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 yeah. for a night out. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You just spend whatever it is, sixteen hours or Ooh. whatever. Um, and then another long moorland section, and then you get to a place called White House. Um, where the mountain rescue team have um, a tent and hot drinks, which was really important because by then we were all pretty wet and cold Mm -hmm. um, and quite a lot of people had already started to Mm -hmm. pull out of the event by then. Yeah, the interesting thing there is on your event, um, two-thirds of people didn't complete it. Mm. So I think that shows that, that not only the, the challenge of the route, yeah. but also the challenge of the weather. So yeah. it's, it's a phenomenal... Yeah. Did you ever ever have any doubts that you would, you would drop out? Or I... The only time I really had any doubts was on that section to the White House where mm-hmm. um, I was really cold-stressed. Um, it's actually really difficult to try and eat when it's pouring with rain and yeah. blowing a gale. You yeah. just... Obviously, you've got food in pockets mm-hmm. in in Ziploc bags, but actually, just getting that out and trying to eat in mm-hmm. the rain—it's mm-hmm. just really, really. And difficult. Can you feel then your energy levels just? Being yeah, and completed. I was getting really cold, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, uh, being in a mountain rescue team, we're acutely aware about hypothermia, mm-hmm. uh, and we'd already heard that some people had been taken out with hypothermia. Right. Um, uh, so I was really acutely aware of that. Fortunately, we did get to the White House. We were able to get into the warmth for a little while, mm-hmm. and I think we had three or four hot drinks. Right, okay. And, you know, when, uh, and then we were okay, really, to get to Hebden Bridge from there. Because when we're watching it, there's often clusters of you. Do you yeah. tend to walk with other people or not? Or, um, or I think it- in that first section up to Hebden Bridge, I was with um, another guy from a mountain rescue team, mm-hmm. and we kind of decided that um, up to Black Hill we'd been walking more or less on our own mm-hmm. but we knew the weather was going to be bad and we just decided for safety sakes that it was better for two of us to walk together mm-hmm. um, and also check each other's navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stuck together right to Hebden Bridge but after Hebden Bridge um, my partner up to that point had decided not to attempt to rest at Hebden Bridge and he went on ahead. Right, okay. So I then spent Virtually the rest of the course, all the way to Hawes, on my own. Right. Okay. Virtually. So Hebden Bridge was yeah. Early hours in the morning. Was that about? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I got there. A, I think it was about four o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. You were hoping to get there a little bit early. I was, yeah. but it was just, <laughs> it was just so, oh, just it was so bad, and and. The wind and rain is bad enough, but the field conditions were just appalling. Mm-hmm. It was like ploughing through knee-deep mud and bogging mm-hmm. places. It was just awful. And you fell over the years. Well. I did. I got blown over. Right. I was um, Kinder Scout um, just after the downfall where it was all wet and slippery. 
and basically just a big gust blew me off the mm -hmm. off the path um, and I landed on my shoulder uh, and my knee I also managed to bend one of my wife's walking poles <laughs> I went down well did it well that wasn't too bad but later on I managed to break one as well right um, <laughs> having gone over at Malham Cove um, so it was really bad so I got to Hebden Bridge and I decided that really I needed to lay down for half an hour to make sure that the swelling in the knee had gone down mm -hmm. and also to I then needed quite a lot of time to get the medics to strap the shoulder up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I could continue mm -hmm. um, but you said if you did it again you, you yeah. wouldn't stop there would you well I know I know I could probably take at least four hours off my finish time right. and I think probably what I would do at Hebden Bridge is eat mm -hmm. change mm -hmm. Um, and then get out within the hour. Yeah, uh, but saying that, if you're there at four, you've not got that many. You're only got another three or four hours of darkness, haven't you? Yeah. So you better sleep in darkness than push on. Then. Yeah, I mean there is gonna, that. You're going to go a lot slower yes. in the darkness than what in the daytime. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. don't want to be. You know, I mean, I think I I left Hebden Bridge. Uh, I had a I had a head torch on. But quite quickly, I took that off. Yeah. So it was just at the point where it was getting daylight. Maybe the best time to actually get that sleep because actually, yeah. if you've got another two hours, the last thing I'm going to be sleeping when sunrise comes up. Yeah, and you, that you, next day was a little bit more safe. It is, and you really need to be getting to Malham um, as far to Malham as you can in the daylight. Yeah, yeah. So we pushed on from um, yeah Bridge, from Hebden Bridge, and then Malham. Malham there's then there's the, between there and Malham. There's lots of sections of of moorland, and then lots of fields. Right. Okay. And that was that's harder to navigate through, is it? It is, and that's where things like the GPS really come into mm -hmm. its own, and, and particularly later on when you're in the dark as well. Mm -hmm. um, there are some tricky sections where, as you know, going through fields, it's really easy to miss yeah. a style hidden in the corner of a field somewhere. And that's where the GPS. Now, let's just summarize. If people yeah. have read the article that we've done with yeah. Paul already, sat my back to twenty user. Um, and, and has mm. been a user has actually been on our course in the late district I think yes. you have and you've yes. been on webinars yeah, and yeah. things with yeah. it over the last yeah. number of years you've yeah. had it for quite a while haven't you so I know you um, you took out the battery pack and you, you run it off double A batteries I know you popped in the office yeah, a few yeah. months ago to get one of those yeah, to get a battery um, cradle and, and therefore uh, you run off double A batteries just so you could interchange yeah. it and, and yeah. you had it on for the duration of the, of the trip um, it was on it was on hibernate for a lot okay. of the trip to save power right and really only switching it on um, when I needed it okay. um, and then you used, and then I used, used to, the night time so this is the time where it came yeah. to so night time going through fields you say yeah. looking for the style in the corner yeah. of the field yeah. is when you yeah absolutely it. you would load the GPX file on before yes. did they give you that yes it's a raised GPX file okay. in fact um, it was updated just a few days before the race because right. the ground conditions were so bad that I had to put in place I think there were four or five diversions okay mm -hmm. so so you did that yeah. so did you put your, so your drop bag that was at checkpoint one you drop batteries that's what head torch no I had uh, carrying with me I had the um, rechargeable battery in the GPS right I had the battery cradle, mm -hmm. and then I had spare batteries. Okay, so you, yeah, so you. Really but I, I was kind of hoping I wouldn't have to physically do the battery swap en route yes. because <laughs> it's hard to get out of the back, and it was pouring down with rain. <laughs> yeah, it's like worst nightmare. <laughs> so um, at Hebden Bridge, I managed to recharge the GPS. Brilliant. 
Um, you had a power pack in your uh, drop bag then, did you? Or did you just plug it into the mains? Just plug it into the mains. Right, okay. But I also had a power pack. Okay. Uh, quite a lot. Like Hebden Bridge, it's, um, it's fine. It's a great venue. Um, it's a, a scout center. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But like a lot of centres, um, slightly devoid of powerpoints, <laughs> um, so there's a bit of a scramble for for plugs and things. Mm -hmm. So I knew I could recharge it from a portable power pack. Um, actually, um, I did have to change the batteries en route. Right. On the, um, I changed them at Horton. Mm -hmm before we were going up on the cam road when I knew mm -hmm. the weather was going to be really bad and mm -hmm. I just made the decision it was better to have uh, you, you've got full the, power from the yeah. from the battery cradle rather than 30% on the rechargeable mm -hmm. just so, in case so we come back before then yeah. so Malam was your next overnight Malam was the next target to head for that's Malam village at the bottom of Malam Cove how far are we in there Paul? we're about I think we're about 70 miles in. Right, okay, yeah. Um, and I knew then, I knew the route really well up to checkpoint 1.5, which is at Malam Tarn. But um, I was dog tired by then. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, I'll try and get 10 minutes sleep. So I actually found that on the front of the village hall, there was a small concrete uh, porch. Right. So I just put my bag on the ground and laid on top of it right. um, and had fi literally five minutes really uncomfortable sleep. Right. Um, and you felt better after five minutes. No, I felt worse, actually. <laughs> okay. I mean, again, I think I should have just pushed through, mm -hmm. just pushed through and saved 15, 20 minutes of messing around. So the sleep, so potentially you, slept, well, you slept at checkpoint one and then you I had didn't a, really sleep. Yeah. I lay down, I probably had five, 10 minutes at the most at checkpoint one and then at Malum you had five, five minutes. minutes maybe because I know you originally said oh, I, I might be but I suppose the weather yeah. was so bad that was just take out the equation was yeah you, yeah I think um I think one of the one of the reasons for one of my three aims for doing this was to learn from it um mm -hmm. and one of the things I learned was um if you're going to have to bivy uh then you need to be doing that under some sort of shelter ready because the thought of getting all your bivy kit out when you're soaking wet yeah. and and it's raining and windy is yeah. just and yeah. then continue with the race mm -hmm. the only reason for doing it would be in an emergency right mm -hmm. so the section then from Malam to checkpoint 1.5 at Malam Tarn's about six miles okay. that's fine mm -hmm. except the limestone on the top of yeah, Malam Cove yeah. was desperately yeah. greasy. Feral climb up there as well. It is, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I managed to uh, get one of my wife's walking poles jammed in the mm. limestone and then fall over and oh, snap it. Oh dear! Mm. So I was down to one pole, mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> subsequently, I found out quite a lot of people were down to one pole by that right. stage. Mm -hmm. uh, quite a few people had broken the walking poles it's quite a hard walk really there isn't it it's is it's, I've, I've done that a number of times and it's not as well it's uh, got to checkpoint 1.5 and you're allowed 30 minutes there okay. so i ate there a malam tarn this is malam tarn yeah. and then managed to find somewhere around the back of the building and mm -hmm. and had one hour's right. absolutely solid sleep Brilliant. Mm -hmm. um and after that um i was fine and you're fine because i know you've done this before um mm -hmm 
this no, you've walked long distances yeah. before, and you can have said that an hour forty-five minutes yeah. sleep is what you feel. Yeah. That's what your body needs to recover without yeah. going into total yeah. deep sleep, yeah. isn't it? Really? Yeah. So after that time, you can feel a lot better. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because um, um, on the way to just before Malamtana, I started to see. Um, the rocks were turning into sheep right okay and strangely other rocks were turning into like equipment kit bags okay <laughs> and at one stage i saw a woman and a girl walking in front of me right at which point i thought that's it time to sleep mm-hmm. because yeah. i suppose by then you've yeah. had a you know you've had a, a, an hour of poor sleep at, at checkpoint one five minutes in the doorway you, you've not you've, no. you've not really slept no that's you? right no and this was a, an hour and some people do push all the way through uh, particularly if they're running it because you're doing it in a shorter time mm-hmm. but um but surely there has to be a benefit of sleeping and recovering yeah. Yeah. 45 minutes an hour out surely your yeah. pace then picks up your navigation picks up your yeah your, your judgments is better yeah, absolutely um and and, absolutely. and if you fall over and, and <clears throat> Yeah, you yourself. You're out, aren't you? Yeah, you are. Yeah, that's it. You're out. And yeah. one of my aims was to finish, yeah. not mm-hmm. not wreck myself. And then, <clears throat> so you, you then you, you had a good well, you had an, an hour, hour sleep, sleep at Malham, and then you had thirty, so seventy, thirty yeah, miles. miles really. Yeah, it's uh, nice, easy, an easy last day. <laughs> <laughs> so then you then climb over Fountains Fell, drop yeah. down, and then over Penny Ghent. Mm-hmm. Did you go over the top of Penny? Oh, you go over the top of Penny again. Right. The Penny Gate is it's a it's a it's a ruffle scramble up. Yeah, the it best is. Of times in wet rocks. Yeah. I've done it a number of times. So yeah. that's a hard one. And 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 then down, down to Horton Ribs there. But I think they did a diversion just after. They you did. I, I had I did hear when I was at Horton that they were putting a diversion in for the full spine races. Um, off the top of Pennygent, right? Um, down into down into Horton to save going over the top, right? Because okay. the wind was then by too was too bad. I know exactly which path that would be. That yeah. nice easy route. That's a nice yeah, alternative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. path yeah. before you start the biggest end. There's a one off to your left. There is. You're down. Absolutely. That's, that's a far easier option. It is. Up, I know. So yeah. uh, and then I suppose it's a nice. It's actually a nice track down into Horton Riversdale, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, oh, it's it's it? fine. You just bomb down into Horton. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you can't go wrong. Uh, and then Which, and people I know will know is the start of the three peaks. Three actually. peaks. You actually, yeah. Um, so into Horton, where there's a compulsory checkpoint. Right. Um, Whereabouts in Horton? Is it's that in, right? at the school okay. in Horton. Right. Um, they used to use uh, around the Three Peaks Calf, but since that's closed, they've yeah. gone into the school at Horton, which was absolutely fine. There was hot food. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, the safety team was saying that um, Storm Brendan was due mm-hmm. through a couple of hours later. Mm-hmm. So um, it was then a question of just... Uh, changing kit, getting stuff out of my rucksack, putting everything on that I had, yeah. um, even though I know I was going to be quite warm walking uphill because I knew once I got onto the Cam Road, which is the highest part of the route um, before you drop down into Oars, mm-hmm. there would be nowhere to hide mm-hmm. and start messing around trying to put fleeces on and coats mm-hmm. and Stuff on the top. So that was a hard thirty odd miles, wasn't it? Then climbing up the camera. Yeah, it's then... about foot from Horton. It's fourteen miles over the top of the cam road into right. Hawes at the finish. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, we or I, because I was on my own, um, got to the camp, the highest part of the cam road when when really 
Mm -hmm. We're exposed to the full force of Storm Brendan mm -hmm. then. And where are you getting blown over this but with your one walking pole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one walking pole. There were times when I was using two hands on one walking pole. Right, okay. To mm. brace against So it would have been more beneficial to have two walking poles. It would have been, <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, uh, and it was pretty vicious up there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly no place to hang about. Uh, and then you eventually drop off the cam road which is um uh, you know a fairly well-defined track and mm -hmm. and then pick your way down a long ridge into hawes mm -hmm. um which was really slow going mm -hmm. i mean it was just awful mm -hmm. awful um particularly right at the end of the race of course you know what you want is a nice easy finish and what you don't get is a nice easy finish yeah you want a nice track to walk down. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Bog. Oh, it was just like vertical bog, and it, right. the paths disappeared, and it was uh, just awful. And I suppose you're chronically fatigued at this point, as you say, as well. But I suppose you've got adrenaline that you're near the end. It was it easy because it's now darkness again, wasn't it? Yeah, back in the dark again. Yeah. So another night of navigating. Yeah. And what's that actually like? Do you know, we've done a little bit of night walk in the past. You, your head gets into it, doesn't it? But actually, mentally, is that such a hard thing? Yeah, it is. It is difficult. Um, there's no doubt about that. It's probably, and we didn't just have darkness. There were there were lots of sections where we had, particularly the first night, we had poor visibility. We mm -hmm. couldn't see more than fifteen, twenty meters. Mm -hmm. So you've got thick cloud, rain, darkness, and mm -hmm. wind, and you're trying to navigate. It's mm -hmm. not easy at all. And and you know, I don't criticise anyone for who <laughs> makes a navigational error in those conditions yeah. because it's really difficult. Yeah. And mentally, it's really taxing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you've got somebody else with you, but if mm -hmm. you're on your own, yes, it's you quite the psychology of yeah, you know, really own, doubting yourself. Oh yes, whether you're going right, ever take that right turning, and and, and, oh. and that last section down into Hawes was all like that because the path is not really defined. It's all over the place because it's all bog, and, mm -hmm. and you just think. Am I going in the right direction? Yeah. And actually, when I got down into Gale, which is a small settlement just before Hawes, there was actually uh, somebody from the, the Spine Race volunteer team met me where uh, kind of ran into Gale. Right. And um, I said, have I, have I just come down the right route? You know, I didn't yeah. see anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, am, am I on route? You know, because you started yeah. to doubt. Yeah. And he said, no, you're spot on, mate. And, uh, and he said, but then the path when it goes through Gale and Hawes, runs through houses and, and round the back of garages, and it's quite complicated. Yeah. He said, just follow me and I'll take you into the finish, which Fantastic. I thank, thank God for that. What, what was it? Relief, joy, excitement, just when you reach the... None of those. No. <laughs> I think it was a general numbness. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, you know, because we just when we saw the picture of you at the finish line, said, "How does Paul look?" He said, "He just looks like Paul sat there with his legs crossed, his <laughs> like it's this normal Paul posture, yeah. as if like it looked like you hadn't <laughs> done anything." <laughs> <It> well, was, <laughs> um, I didn't feel particularly excited or elated. I was glad. <coughs> excuse me. I was glad it was obviously over. Yeah. Um, but it's quite interesting because. The, the spine volunteers that man the checkpoints are absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. They can't do enough mm -hmm. of, for you. They're and giving the, you soup and things. Oh, they're seems, bringing you yeah. drinks and food. Yeah. And, and, and they also always offer to take your shoes off. Right, okay. okay. Which must be one of the worst jobs in the world because you're covered in mud and, and manure and peat bog and 
and they'll, they'll quite happily take your shoes off for you because obviously bending down to take your shoes off. Well, it's quite interesting. Two people came up to me and said, would you like me to take your shoes off? And I said, no, 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 I have to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you could see a kind of quizzical look and I said, no, I've, I've finished. It's really important that I actually take my shoes off myself. Closure. Closure. <laughs> it was like, thank God for that. And then he puts them in the local bin and never <laughs> to walk again. Well, um, when I got back home, I actually needed to borrow a jet wash. <laughs> Just wash the clothing and get the mud off. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're at the finish and you get your medal and T-shirt and somebody comes and gives you food and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you get changed and come home. It's, it's, did you stay overnight there then? Not, not no, we, um, we drove. Uh, fortunately, the other guy that I went down with, um, his partner came down in right. the van and we probably had the most uncomfortable period of the whole race really, which was... Two of us crammed into the front seat of a van, right. trying to sleep. <laughs> it was just awful. Mm -hmm. But um, and we just slept all the way back. Mm -hmm. I know uh, you put things on social media. You said, "You know, thanks for all your messages, yeah. but sadly I can't reply to them because my phone is my waterproof phone is I found is not waterproof." Yeah. So that's quite an interesting one again, coming from the GPS side yeah. as well. Is actually is it sat you are a Samsung? Is it that you? Yeah, is it is. I thought it was waterproof, but. Um, <laughs> Clearly not. It's probably my error. Um, yeah. So uh, lesson learned, really. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so it's a way for repair at the moment. Right. Okay. So, it's completely... so lesson learned. It wasn't. Yeah. It was inside a Ziploc plastic bag. Okay. Uh, but when I got to the finish and took the plastic bag out of my jacket pocket, the mm -hmm. plastic bag itself had water in it. Okay. There was. It was just. And the mm -hmm. pocket was half full of water, literally. Mm -hmm. I should have given you an aquapack sometime. Well, I've show. got one. <laughs> okay, that's even worse, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. It's that is my own fault. <laughs> I completely hold my hands up, and mm -hmm. I should have put it in an aquapack because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I do have one. Okay, but you didn't. I didn't. No lesson learned. Lesson learned. Then so mm. the phone went kaput, and yeah. um, and suddenly uh, <laughs> you can respond. To it. Last thing you wanted on the way home was to be texting. Yeah, no, there was just no way I was going to be doing that. Yeah, <clears throat> so it's it's it, it's it's a fantastic achievement, mm. and, and yeah. it's it's been been a real honour to be a part of that. I said, we've been following you and and um, watching the dots, and then we've done the, the newsletter article mm. and things, and mm. it's been a it's been phenomenal. Um, the spine race. Continued on those it guys did. did the whole of two hundred eighty yeah. miles in seven days, didn't yeah. they? Uh, well, some less than that. Obviously, yeah. the winner came in on early on Thursday morning, wasn't yeah. it? And there's some interesting stories there, wasn't it? Really, because I know you're well, you're, you're active member of Northumberland National mm. Park Mounts Rescue, and uh, they did a big recovery on the top of yeah the on, the, on, on the border ridge, the border just below Cheviot, from a, a, mm. a guy who yeah. um, literally just. That was it. He couldn't go any further yeah. and collapsed, mm. which I think was a... Uh, you, you were holidaying yourself in the Cairn. I was, yes. <laughs> For people, it wasn't. He was doing some winter training yeah. right in the snow. <laughs> so it's been... It, that, it, the whole race was been so exciting. And and you say that the person who actually won passed you... At Malham. Malham, um, which mm. was 70 miles. Yeah. In. And they started a day later. Yes. So it's 24... Yeah. Actually... They start at eight, I think. Did they? I yeah, they start at eight o'clock. Yeah. So twenty three hours later, hours they caught, yes. caught you. Yes, I know. Was that a bit of a shock? Was it the guy running past you? Or just... <laughs> uh, it was a bit humbling, really. Right. You know, he he's run the same distance that I've walked in in mm -hmm. well less than half the time in a day. He's basically run that seventy miles, yeah. um, which is phenomenal. And how 
how the full spine racers do it, I, it's just a phenomenal effort. Yeah. I mean, they call it the world's most brutal race, mm-hmm. and it's it's got to be. I can't. Well, those guys, how can anybody physically? run that distance in the time you do i just i can't comprehend yeah i mean it's a combination of when we when we talk about running i mean mm-hmm. it's it's a combination of kind of jog fast walk mm-hmm. plod but they are they're constantly moving i mean mm-hmm. I, I and i think that's where they're able a to deal with the sleep demons uh, demons um and they're very efficient when it comes to checkpoints and yeah and they, they carry not an awful lot of gear. No, they don't. Um, I suppose everyone. Quicker, I mean, so they come across checkpoints quicker, and therefore potentially they're dropping. Potentially, by. but um, I mean, it is interesting that everyone, whether you're on the full spine race or the challenger, has a compulsory kit list. Right. The difference is the weight, mm-hmm. um, and particularly for those on the full spine race. Um, they're aiming to get their bags as light as yeah. humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way you can do that is by spending a fair amount of money or you're a sponsored athlete yeah. and, and they're getting their bags down to, without water, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a few kilograms, four mm-hmm. kilograms or something. Whereas my bag was, was eight kilograms, yeah. twice as much. But the thing is, though, it is amazing achievement. If you watch any of the video footage online of these guys yeah. finishing... They're, they're, excuse the French, but absolutely knackered. Oh, know? yeah, they're empty. <laughs> you know, they're beyond empty. When they came through Northumberland, where we are, you know, no. the, yeah. the, 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 the winner stopped for an hour, literally a few miles short in one yeah. of the rescue huts to, yeah. to get glucose. Yeah. And, and, and well, actually, I was up there a couple of weekends ago. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a nice walk down, but yeah. it was just so exhausted. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and I say he stumbles to the wall at Yetima the pub and kisses it and he has to go isn't it so uh, yeah. even though they've got uh-huh. tremendous fitness it's, it's just as exhausting for no them, isn't it? oh absolutely um, it, it's on a different scale but yeah. the, it's no it's no different in that sense that they arrive pretty much exhausted so would you do it again then this oh absolutely yes <laughs> <laughs> I mean one <clears throat> one of my aims was to finish mm-hmm. and as we've said um, there was a really high dropout rate this year. Yeah. Um, not to knock their achievement because you know even just mm-hmm. entering is a, is an achievement in itself. Um, I didn't want to arrive in a poor state yes. because I knew that I was going up to the Kingdom. Yeah. So, I, and the third thing I wanted to do was learn, and I learned an awful lot. And um, I'm sure I can knock three or four hours off that time mm-hmm. by being more efficient and knowing where to sleep. And I think. One of the interesting things is there are a lot of repeat racers who yeah. come year after year after year, um, and some have still not finished, um, even though they've entered multiple times, and they'll be back again. It's it's very strange. It really gets under your skin. Mm-hmm. It's they talk about the spine bubble. Yes. While you're on the race, you're in this complete bubble, yeah. and even though I was only doing the shorter race, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. The world could have come to an end, but all you're concerned about is 
it's, it's, it's getting it's, to the next checkpoint. It's going back to the basics of life. Oh, the yeah. basics of life of you know, eating, Eat, sleep, sleeping, and, and, moving. and moving, really. Yeah. Everything else is completely Completely superfluous. It doesn't really matter no. what else is going on. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's really it's interesting. The, the basics of, and, and the mental side of that yeah. as well must be so tiring. Now. Yeah, the mental side's really interesting. And, and, and I've talked to people that have done it, and they talk about all the highs and lows of emotions and, and at points feeling like giving... But I didn't really feel like that. I didn't really go up and down. Yeah. It was very interesting. Um, I and mean, I've done long things before, obviously nothing quite like this. But I didn't really experience that highs and lows. I didn't really get so low that I thought, what on earth am I doing? Let's pack that in. And I didn't really get very elated. Oh, my God, you know, I've just got to a checkpoint. Maybe it's because your body shuts down. It's funny because on an earlier podcast, I <coughs> interviewed a great gentleman called Duncan. I don't know if yeah. you've heard. He rode across the Atlantic yes. boat. He built himself. And he's, yeah. he's, it, it took him weeks. And he ended up being rescued. Oh, yeah. It's a fantastic story. And I, when I spoke to him, I was, what are your highs and lows? And he said exactly what you just said, which is, I didn't really have those. No. So I just put it down to Duncan being a hard Scottish no. guy. No. But I know you very well, Paul, and, I, and we've had good conversations yeah. in the past, so I know you're not an emotional person, no. but you do have feelings like the rest yeah. of us. So it's interesting that you those have been kind of cut out of it. And yeah, I, th- I just think on events and things like that, I'm just able to keep fairly steady mm-hmm. and focused. Um, and people said, oh, you know, it must be hard. Well, it, yeah, it is physically hard. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find it that. It's not as if I got yeah. to the end and think, "Thank God, I'm never ever going to do that again." Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe next time I do it, I'll find it completely different. And halfway halfway along the course, I'll think, "That's it. I'm never going to do this again." And I'm going home. But the problem now, your mental state is, it wasn't that bad. So actually, when you start next time, after the first ten miles, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's like a lot of things I've done, John. When you finish, you think, "Well, actually, it wasn't that bad." And then you do it again, and you realise actually it, it was. was. <laughs> it's interesting because again, you said you, you you've learned a number of things. What are the yeah. three things that you if you've taken a takeaway? So suddenly you've done a bit of um, analysis. After yeah. What are the key things that you've taken away from it that is going to change your life, change your walking, um, change one. Your- one is. Um, and I know it sounds really obvious, but as individuals, you are capable of doing a lot more than you think you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that things like, you know, we 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 complain if we don't get nine hours sleep a night, yeah. but actually, for a short period, for a short period, you are capable of doing all sorts of things yeah. on no sleep. Yeah. And that's that's really interesting. And I suppose as well is is for that is you no know, mentally just thinking about the next hour or the two yeah. hours rather than you, because if you thought no, about what was headed you. No, just, I I was very clear. I because there are lots of minor roads that kind of cross the route. Mm-hmm. My focus was only ever on reaching where the path crossed that road. Right. Okay. I never thought, never once thought, I've got 108, 10, 12 miles. Yeah, yeah. Never did that. I never thought, I've got 45 miles to the first checkpoint. Yeah. It was always the next road, yeah. the next road, yeah. um, and then the next one. Mm-hmm. I'd just break it down. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I was, when I used to run and run marathons, someone said to me once, 
a marathon is not 26 miles, it's one mile 26 times. Exactly, break yes. it down, break it down. And if you break it down, your brain can cope with that. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to scare yourself. Yeah. And I think that's important for us when, just every day when we go out on the hills or whatever. Mm-hmm. That I think every day in life. Life as life, well. I, I just don't get... It's, don't get bogged down. With, no. With, if you think of the bigger picture, yeah, you're just gonna fr- you. Yeah, you're going to frighten yourself. Just break it down. Business exactly the same thing. <clears throat> you, know, you think about it, it destroys you. Actually, if you think mm. actually to achieve this and you do this, yeah. this and this... Um, it, it, but for you, it's that eighth degree of like really the detail of that next road, yeah. next two miles, four miles, yeah. Yeah. just working yeah. through it, and not yeah. And don't even think of it in terms of miles, because mm-hmm. if you say, "Oh, the next the next road you're going to cross is ten miles mm-hmm. away," you then think. But it's because as we've been mm-hmm. talking, that's one thing I picked up. You know, it's about this. It's about that. Now, actually. Mm-hmm. I would have thought you would have said, oh, it's 46.3 miles, but actually you can't, you've just, it's about this distance. Yeah. I'm about there, I'm not going to think yeah. about it because actually that might be <coughs> five easy miles. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's as far as it is. It is. So there's no point worrying about how far it is. It's, it's just as far as it is. End, yeah. yeah. So that, that was a big thing. Um, I think the other thing which is kind of relevant to when we go out on the hills um, is... Uh, and it's really that self-awareness you need that says this is now crossing the line from being comfortable or slightly uncomfortable mm-hmm. to actually this could turn dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I suppose with your background in mountain rescue, that's something yeah. you are picking up with other people and also I suppose yourself in a mountain rescue situation. Yes. But actually when you're doing an event like this, that yeah. must be quite frightening when you feel if you're slipping into that, this is now... Yeah, I'm, I'm passing cold stress to actually, if I'm not careful, I could get hypothermia yeah. here very quickly. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, you're out in the middle of Moreland or somewhere and you know the safety teams are fantastic, but they aren't going to get to you very quickly. No. And so you'd be in quite a lot of trouble. Um, and that whole business about having to force yourself to eat and drink, mm-hmm. force yourself to stop. Um, and a good, uh, a good friend, uh, someone that I trust in the mountains um, completely, um, said to me once, she said, when you feel like you can't be bothered, it's time to be bothered. Right, okay, that's a good one. <laughs> so if you're feeling like I'm too cold and wet, I can't be bothered to put another top on, I can't be bothered to eat because yeah. I'm cold, it's horrible, is the time when you need to switch and you do need to be bothered. Yeah. And you need to sort that problem out, mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of points where I had to force myself to do that, and mm-hmm. thankfully I did. Um, <clears throat> so that's another thing I think I learned. Mm-hmm. You, you need that self-awareness and um, you need that ability almost to step outside of yeah. yourself mm-hmm. and look back <clears throat> into uh, back on yourself self. and say, right, do you know what? If some, if somebody was looking over, say, right, Paul, yeah. get that jacket off, get this jacket yeah. on, get warm, keep going. And for you, when well, I just <clears throat> keep walking, I just keep walking. No, 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 mm. stop. Yeah, it's like it goes a bit back to that sleeping yeah. issue. You no, know, you you say well, I could get away with sleeping, but actually sleeping makes you feel better. Doesn't it? So yeah. is that such a bad thing? I think the other thing I learned, and that is when somebody now says to me, "We're going to go for a long walk, and it's going to be about twenty miles." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's no longer a long walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pales in, in, in significance, really. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So uh, anything <clears throat> else, or, like that you you've learned um, that you can. If you go, if you went back and um, did it again, 
I know you've walked the route now, yeah. so you're more familiar. You know the train. You've got a better understanding about that. Yeah. Anything you would do differently? Um. Obviously, I've talked about um, less time at checkpoints, mm-hmm. um, being more efficient. Mm-hmm. It's really easy when you get to a checkpoint to have a kit explosion. Yeah. Um, and you see that all around at the checkpoint. Um, explosion is just well when your kit bag arrives, yeah. um, and and you've got the change kit and things, and yeah. and then you start taking things out of your kit bag, and then it's all over the floor, and yeah. you know. Um, your tires now taking time. Yeah. So now well, being prepared and going and said right, I need to get this, this, and this yeah. out. And you just get everything. Well, out. interestingly, I I developed and I I got the idea from somebody else, so it's not my idea. Mm. Um, I had a laminated sheet on the top of the kit bag, mm-hmm. which was broken down into really easy steps. So, you know, stop, change kit, change batteries, eat, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and then had the reverse on the way out right. and, and just sat there and followed the checklist mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you need something to give you structure when you're tired. Mm-hmm. What would I do differently? Apart from being more efficient at checkpoints, mm-hmm. not sleeping so much, I don't know that I would necessarily do anything. You didn't cook at all, did you? No, you really... have to. You have to carry three thousand calories of food okay. mm-hmm. um, because you've also got to carry a stove and means to boil water and stuff. Did you boil water? Ultimately? I well, interestingly, again, I could save time, but um, out of Hebden Bridge. Uh, you pass um, a ruined farmhouse right. called Top Withens, okay. which is connected with the Brontes. Okay. And on the end of the building, there's a bit of a bothy. Um, and I actually, I was really cold, so I actually stopped and brewed up in there. Mm-hmm. So about, I'll probably, there's 20 minutes, half an hour. Mm-hmm. But I really needed hot drink and food. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I... Eating is a real issue, mm-hmm. getting enough calories down because your appetite completely changes. Yeah. We did, of course, have the pies. Of course, you were sponsored by, by a local pie. <laughs> supported by, a, <laughs> yes, uh, the pies were really good. Um, and uh, some of the checkpoints, it, it's things like porridge mm-hmm. and rice pudding. Mm-hmm. I think at Hebden Bridge, I also had beans on toast. Right, okay. It's stuff that is palatable that mm-hmm. you can get down. Uh, one mistake I made was um, I was carrying some expedition food to yeah. make up your 3,000 calories. And at Malam Tarn, I prepared one of those meals, which was an 800 calorie macaroni cheese. Mm-hmm. Now, I like macaroni cheese, mm-hmm. um, but in order to get the 800 calories, it's a double portion. Right. Mm hmm. And I couldn't, you can't, you just can't. It took a lot of effort to force down mm-hmm. half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I've learned that if I did it again, I would probably carry 400 calorie packs. Right. I had 400 calorie packs of porridge and rice pudding and they were fine, mm-hmm. but main meals. Mm-hmm. So you learn, you just learn things about what you can tolerate food wise. And mm-hmm. I never ever want to see any more nuts and raisins. Right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, trail food is always trail food. Places, well, yeah. I mean, it's okay, but when when you you know you've got a kilogram of that to go through, whatever it is, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like dreadful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that from ski expeditions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only so much of that you can take. Um, so, I probably 
one of the things I learned is I probably didn't eat enough. Yes, yeah. And, and would you then, it was the right thing to stop and cook and have the warm food, or would you tend to eat more pies on the go and that no, kind of thing? No, pies on the, we took a couple of the pies and they were great and fantastic, but, you know, <clears throat> it's not far into the trail before they start getting no. falling apart and things. Exactly right. But the, the idea was right, because what actually you crave is solid food. Yes. There's only, only so many protein bars and yeah. and, and fruit and, and not very palatable. Are they? No, they're not, no, and you, you, your taste completely changes, mm -hmm. and you go away from sweet mm -hmm. things. It's weird because those your body kind of goes into shock, doesn't it? Really, Cause, and, and and as you say, your palate yeah. changes, your body goes to your main organs, and, and and it is, and it's really difficult. I mean, someone I did see someone quote that they thought the calorie expenditure on the full spine race was something like 20,000 calories. Right. Um, so over five days, you know, 4,000 calories a day, mm -hmm. which is what, when we go on ski expeditions in the Arctic or you go out mm -hmm. winter mountaineering in Scotland, 4,000 calories a day is about what you're aiming for. Mm -hmm. But you've got to take out of that your normal two and a half thousand calories just to function, which is what we use every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So getting that amount of calories down you is really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, I came back, I'd lost a kilogram, right? Which isn't a lot, but but you're not a big build anyway. I'm not. I can't. I can't afford to lose a kilogram. <laughs> People don't see bodies as slight as could be, you know. So uh, yeah, cause the rest was a shame. So kilograms quite a, yeah. A, a, a so it's really difficult getting that amount. Mm -hmm. of and and water mm -hmm. i mean that's another thing i learned i had a drinking regime which was i would have about a liter of water for each kind of stage between between water drops on the on the roadheads um, and my idea was that on any flat section or gently downhill section i would drink right mm -hmm. but what was interesting was i was refilling at the next section and i hadn't drunk that amount okay and so what I learned was you think you're drinking a lot but actually you need to drink twice as much as you think yeah. you are yeah so a quick sip of water is not good if you just totally dehydrate yourself or, or if you take three sips you've got to take six yeah yeah mm -hmm. um, and so when I got to Hawes I was definitely bored but everyone is everyone's dehydrated mm -hmm. um, so it's really difficult getting on. and I, again there's a lesson there for us just going out for a day walk mm -hmm. probably most people don't drink enough no. and don't eat enough no and it's very easy on a day walk because you know at the end of the day you're gonna Get call home. in at the tea shop or whatever and stop it but mm -hmm. um and and that leads to problems then you're going to end up low blood sugar yeah. and and that's where a lot of people then get into difficulties with the cold weather mm -hmm. and and there was one stage where I was definitely bordering on low blood sugar and I thought, yes. whoa, I'm starting to go a bit woozy here yes. and feel sick and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you've got to stop and force yourself to eat. Good. So it's all good. All good. So you're yeah. off, then you're back again the following year. You're going to do it, Paul? Um, uh, last summer I worked on this, uh, as part of the Spine yeah. Safety Team. I think I'm going to do that again this year and maybe next winter as well. I don't think I'm going to enter next winter. Um I've got plans about something else I'd like to do next winter. Um, and the spine race would be great to do again, but would be <clears throat> a bit of a distraction. Mm -hmm. So the year after, maybe I'll have another go. Would you have a fancy doing the summer spine race? Or is that too easy after you've done the winter one? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think uh, I, the Summer Spine Race is, uh, you know, it's an awesome mm-hmm. event in itself. Um, I don't, strangely, I don't do that well in hot weather. Right, okay. Is the, they still so have I the, prefer it when it's... They still have the uh, mountain rescue events in the summer events? As no, well. no, they so, only well. have that in the winter. Oh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would have to be the winter one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose once you've done the winter, it would be hard to go and do the summer one, because actually it's, it's... I think a lot of people use the summer one as a training event yeah, for yeah. the winter one, and I can understand that, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't do that but um very good so, so as we finish years. off any pearls of wisdom what one thing you're going to leave our listeners with about your <laughs> your, your epic adventure um what just... seems like a good idea eight months before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably isn't and i think as well people have to realize that the amount of work and preparation you've been oh yeah the route you, you, yeah you've extra fitness walks, training fitness yeah, training yeah. being at the gym you know yeah. all this in the build up to yeah. it uh, uh, it's not something you could have just packed your bag on and, and no, do it. No, definitely not. I suppose really for, for the last six oh, yeah, months, easily. you've been yeah. building up to it. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think you probably could turn up and do it. Mm-hmm. Now, but, you know, I'm not... I'm not that young anymore. Mm-hmm. I nearly said I'm not that old, but I'm I'm not that young anymore. And as you get older, it is harder to maintain your fitness, yeah. and so you have to work a lot harder at doing that. So. And your recovery? How quickly did you recover? Something you've been to Um Yeah, no, I got back very late on the Monday night, mm-hmm. a, cu- a couple of days really. One of the interesting things was, and it goes back to what we were talking about um, about cold stress, was for the first two or three days. Um, uh, I noticed that my temperature would would go down in particular really easily, right. and and there were some days when I even had my um, thermal jacket on mm. in the house, right. and, and I was taking baths every day, which I don't normally do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, and it's temperature back up. Yeah. It's really interesting just how, it, even though you don't think you've been affected by the cold that much, mm-hmm. just how sensitive your body is then after the event mm-hmm. to to temperature change and mm-hmm. it took two or three days to get that back to normal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but physically yeah it's fine a few days of good sleep and and mm-hmm. then on the on the friday i was on the way back up to the king then <laughs> 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 for some more cold weather but oh, but it's fine and um i you know my feet were fine um no real problems and my shoulders had recovered after a few days and uh-huh. uh, generally brilliant <clears throat> so a fantastic thank you yeah. very much for joining us please. really pleasure it's been Absolutely. a fantastic interview and a bit of insight I will put a picture on the uh, Facebook page of the medal and you with the ah! if you want to see it because right. uh, it's, it's a Wonderful medal. It's, it's a it's proper a heavyweight proper thing, heavyweight isn't it? Proper heavyweight medal. So uh, we'll really yeah. take a picture. I'll post on our social media straight after the interview. Great. And uh, yeah, it's been a. It's we've really brought it into you know into our lives and and uh, it will, yeah, if people haven't dot watched, they need to get dot watching next yeah, year. Next year or in the summer or even in the, in summer, the summer, get dot watching. Strangely addictive. <laughs> is watching the dots moving across, mm. and I, I know because we see supporters a fair bit of work for us as well. Do you know if you when you do your other adventures, we won't discuss them now. I don't know what they are myself. Hopefully, we can get you back on. Yeah. The podcast and, uh, yeah. Well, I've got an idea for next winter. Mm-hmm. Um, back. Um, 
with a ski expedition again. Right. But we'll just have to wait and see we'll about see. that, really. Yeah, that's fantastic. So thank you very much, Paul. Congratulations from all the team. And it's thank really you very much. great. Thanks for joining us on this month's podcast. Thank you. If you want to learn more about the SatMap Active 20 Paul used on this race, please go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk. Click on GPS Store on the top menu bar. And then on the left-hand side, click on SatMap GPS Units. At the time of the podcast being recorded, which is February 2020, we had 25% off all SatMap GPS Units. The next thing on this month's GPS training podcast is Ian's FAQs. So this is the frequently asked questions Ian's been asked why he's been sporting some of our GPS training customers and also on the courses that you've led over the past month. So Ian, your Garmin FAQ. So your Garmin FAQ for this month, which is, I don't know, what's this going to be about, Ian? Right. So what I've decided this month, John, is that um, it, it's actually one for, for both um, Garmin and SatMap users. Uh, when I do my courses, uh, it seems to me that we spend a lot of the Sunday showing people how to plan very nice, pretty routes on their uh, base camp or through Expedition 2. Um, but I think, as I say to them, the real benefit about having a GPS with mapping on is, is that you can take as many routes and walks away as you like when you go on holiday. Uh, but you feel different when you arrive there, the weather's different, or you just wake up one morning and just want to do something totally different to what you planned. Um, I know I'm, I'm, I fall foul of that problem many times when I go away. I can take routes uh, away with me, and then um, my dear wife, she changes the plan for the day. That's what I'd like to think anyway. And <laughs> so if Carol decides to, to, to change my itinerary. And the thing is, it's just for everyone to be aware that you don't need a computer to plan a route for a day's walk mm -hmm. and it is good because you've got because everyone's got mapping nowadays um and even if they're abroad you know there's so much mapping out there that we can either supply or you can buy from other places that um you know it's just that everyone uh, everyone is just aware that you can do this off the screen of your gps yeah. and i think that so so i thought that you know okay we're only january going into february but people are going to start thinking about holidays some people have um, who may not have had a chance to come on of our courses. Um, they may have received the GPS for Christmas. So I thought, right, just let's open it up for, for people, for them to be aware that this is what we can do. And, so, and, I, and, and, and I do this a little bit when we do the foreign travel, mm -hmm. when I go through using the GPS abroad, um, I show people just how easy it is to, to do. And we do that as part of our two-day course anyway, showing people how to plan a route off the uh, screen of the GPS. So um, it is a combined one for Garmin and SatMap users mm -hmm. in many ways this month, although the like the way you do it is is different. Um, so first we start off with the Garmin new, uh, GPSs. Um, so firstly you need to find the everyone needs to find the route planner which I think on all the um, well on all the GPSs bar the 64 um, there are two little red pins joined together. The 64 still has got, um, looks like a bit of a, um, I think a road mm -hmm. symbol. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, it says route, route planner. Uh, then the first thing you do is that once you're in the route planner, uh, you go into, you have an option at the very top of the screen that says create a route. And then it asks you to select your first point. Um, 
and then you um, want to uh, use it, uh, use, well, in this case, you'd be using the map. And then what you do is, is that the arrow or the pin, when you've selected the first point, uh, will land straight over you. Mm -hmm. um, so you're, as we all know, were the blue triangle. So the, so the white arrow on the button GPS is all the red-headed pin on the touchscreens land straight on the blue triangle. So as we know, to start planning a route, you always want it potentially to be where you um, where you are or um, at a particular place. And so once you've started that, you press the enter button or or um, for the for the buttons for the touch screens, you tap the screen and say use, and then you're just moving the map the whole mm -hmm. time around the map for the walk that you want to do. And it's no more complicated than that. Um, and once you've done that, um, you once you've finished your route. Um, I mean, I say to people that it is a bit, it's a bit fiddly mm -hmm. and yes, you can do a bit of editing on the route, but to be honest with you, I think it's quicker just to start again. If, anything start goes again. Wrong. <laughs> if it goes wrong, start again. Mm -hmm. It's just quicker and easier. It really, really is. Um, so and as you move the pins or the white arrow around the map screen, uh, you get the uh, magenta, pink magenta colored line. So you know you're creating the route. Just give the GPS a bit of time to create the, the the root leg um and uh, yeah then then it's say so it's good and then you just need to go back all the way out and you will find the root as a number mm -hmm. and so you can once you've created this route you can see the root number you can then go back into the route and view the roots to see that that is what the so you click view map is. don't you and then it shows it on the map um and, and then you can just check it's the right one yeah check you? that it's the one that you've created and, and at that point if you want to you can you can give it a new name mm -hmm. but it, yeah so um for garmin's that's how you do it and so it is i think such a great facility to have yeah i often say with people as well it's quite a nice feature to have if you want to get yourself out of an emergency situation even if you create yeah. your route on your on garmin base camp in this scenario and you go for your walk then you get halfway around now we should have planned our escape routes in but we didn't because actually we found other things to do instead <laughs> so i think how do i get down off that wall i can do a backtrack as you say or alternatively i can create a waypoint navigate to that waypoint stop navigation create a waypoint and navigate my way down but alternatively even if you're not confident creating a route you could actually just create a short route which is going to be three or four waypoints to get you yeah. a few miles rather than just a waypoint that's yeah. going to get you half a mile and then yeah. stop navigation because i think the hard thing with creating a route on the map page is it's hard to see what's ahead of you because you are yes. quite zoomed in Absolutely. so I, I know i often say on the course you know it's quite nice just to um, create two or three waypoints to just work your way down off the hill in an emergency situation. So it's good, great practice to do. Huggle behind a wall and just kind of get yourself, you know, two or three waypoints, get yourself down uh, rather than just navigate to a waypoint. So it's, it's a really good skill. And the nice thing about this, Ian, as you say, is you know, why don't we go and practice it? Go into your local park this weekend or a local yeah, footpath because yeah. you don't need to go and plan a 10 mile walk. You can just plan a, you know, a couple of miles down the track, can't you, or something like that. Absolutely, yes. I say, and I just think it's such a great facility to have on these GPSs mm -hmm. because, um, you know, I, I, so many times I've been away on holiday and you, you, you sort of like, you, you, or you, or, you know, sometimes even around the South Downs where I live. Um, I mean, I don't know the South Downs very well and you don't really need this, need anything on the South, well, you don't need anything on the South Downs, but there are lots of um, footpaths you know, away from the main mm -hmm. track of the South Downs that 
again you think oh i'll just go and for a little wander around there and if you wanted to you can say you don't have to be in the mountains to do it. you could just do it locally just for a bit of practice and gets you to places that you probably wouldn't go to so and the other thing as well is is you no know, i have some people on courses who i don't i go away in a motorhome i don't know where i'm going to i don't take a laptop with me so i need to be able to plan my walk on my gps unit and therefore yeah, they become very very proficient actually far more proficient than i'll ever be at creating a route on a gps unit because they sit there every night and plan the walk for the next day and and yeah. and and i don't actually excel at it i say far more than i will because I, i'll maybe do it a couple of times a month or something they're doing it every day for their two weeks holiday yeah. aren't they yeah absolutely that's yeah, yeah i say because the one thing that i never take away on a holiday with me is a laptop i mean yeah. that's the last thing i would ever take so oh well um, that's, that's where we differ because you, uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> my macbook goes everywhere with me yeah, so. Well. So, so to quickly summarize for the garmin if you want to create a route on it we just go into the main menu route planner create route we use map is the next one select the first point and we just use that arrow pin we can drag it around on a touch screen in it or use the little rocker to move the arrow then every time you press the use button or press enter it's a button gps unit and we can create that route when we're finished we either just press the back arrow or the back, uh, exit button it brings us out it shows you all the waypoints press it again it shows you the list of routes and there it would be there listed again you can go into it you can edit the name on it or alternatively, just press the use show the map page, and you can navigate it that way. So that's the way we do it on a Garmin GPS unit. Yep. Sat map, Ian is. Is. is it easier? I think because it, it's a larger screen as well, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I, I often yeah. will sit in front of the telling a friend now plan my walks on the sat map because actually it's it's often a bigger screen and easier to do than the, mm. the Garmin. But I, yeah. I don't know that's your yeah. thought anyway. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a very. I mean, in some ways, it is very simple. Um, yeah, I mean, you go to the main menu screen, then you've got an option on the right-hand side that says folders. Then you have the option, once you're in the folders, of creating the new route. And then you get a crosshair, um, basically, that appears through you, you being this time a blue circle, as opposed to a blue triangle on a Garmin. Um, so again, you're going to always create the first waypoint if it if, if you want... if you're in the place where you want to be. Um, you just create the first waypoint there. There's a, it's a little symbol. It's like a little circle with a plus symbol on the left-hand side of the screen. So you just basically tap that. Um, and then you move the crosshairs. You drop the crosshairs um, with a sort of like, there's a square with a dot in the middle. So you drop the dot of the crosshairs um, again at the next point. Uh, do the plus uh, symbol again and again so you're slowly creating um, the roots and then you've then got the get the option of saving the roots that you've just created um, and it comes up with um, my route and then a number and then again it's, so it's exactly the same as the Garmin mm. and then you go back and you um, you know when you want the route you just start navigating it mm -hmm. So it is, again, it is in some ways, I think, um, well, I'm sure it's, they're as simple as one another, but it's not a difficult and it thing to do. And again, a great facility on the uh, SATMAP SAT units. So this is you tasking everybody with their homework for the coming month, Ian. Is they need to go out with their Garmin or yes. SATMAP GPS unit. They go out. More than likely yeah. they'll never have done this, but they need to go out and create a route directly on the unit of both Garmin and the SATMAP. There's the instructions there. 
and then you can tell all your friends how great GPS training podcast was, that they've been enlightened to a new way to use your GPS units. And in fact, John, whilst we were talking, <laughs> one thing I didn't send to you last night, which I think is just a, you know, just a very quick, quick one for the Oregon 700s and the MAP66 GPSs, the, the, the Garmin units. Um, I know that it, <laughs> there are lots of conditions, so to speak, you know, like you have to be in a national park and you have to have one of these, the new Topo Pro map cards. But you also have that little facility of round trip routing. Yes. So yes, yeah. I, I, you know, and it's just sprung to mind as we were talking that, you know, as I say to people, if you arrive at a national park, you've got an hour or two to kill, you've got no idea where you're going. Within the um, Oregon 700 and the MAP 66 GPSs, you've got that little uh, round trip routing option, which is great. So you, all you do is you go into it, you specify the distance of a walk that you want to do, and, um, yeah, you, it, it'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. It may not be necessarily where you want to go, but... <laughs> That's what I was going to say it... to you. Just here. Do you really want to trust the GPS to take yes. you to the water? <laughs> That's electronically worked out. This is what you should be doing. Ian. Yeah, but but, it, but sometimes it gives you like three or four it options. Does. That's exactly right. Uh, and, and so, again, it may give you an idea mm-hmm. of, of just, you know, it gives you an idea of the distance and where you could go if you've only got a short space of time and you really don't want to have yeah. to put any effort into it at all mm-hmm. you can just get as i say whether you really want to do it or not different yeah. thing but you, it's an they, option you just blame me garmin at the end right? that was a yeah. terrible walk all down to garmin <laughs> why did i buy this guy but why did i buy that i just follow the yeah. gps unit so but it's an option it is so potentially there's creating a route directly on the unit both garmin sat map and ian just brought in there potentially a round trip route on a garmin I think this is a bit biased because then you go into a sat map. So we've yeah. got a sat map. You can have a second sat map top I, I think this is, I know, and you've had a bit of issues this last month. Not issues, I think you've had a few people looking at different I've had a map, few yeah. questions from people mm-hmm. um, about how to, how they find their 1 to 25,000 mapping uh, on their uh, sat map units. So, so basically, these are for the, people who've got the platinum card, aren't they? With the 1 yeah, to 10, 1 to 25, yeah. 1 to 50k, which is all that yeah, same map card. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and I say sometimes they haven't been able. No, it's it's happened on courses as, as well. People come on courses and they and it, I even get my I I even catch myself out as to and it's just to remind myself and remind everyone that basically sometimes if you're zoomed out too far on the platinum card, uh, you just won't see the one to twenty five thousand map scale uh, mapping and. The first things you need to do is is that on the status bar on the top right by the battery indicator, you've got three grey sort of like sheets of ice. I always refer to them as A4 sheets of paper. Mm-hmm. So it shows different layering and provide if they're activated and you've got a platinum card, then it you know that the GPS is reading the map card correctly. Um, and if you still can't find the one to twenty-five thousand mapping, just to confirm that it, the GPS is reading it, you can go to the main menu screen, and it tells you um, what the active map scale is. Um, so again, uh, there's that as like a double check. And then the last bit I have found, um, and so this is where it's caught me out a few times when people on courses have said, "Oh, I, I know I've got the card in, but I can't find it, and I'm sort of fiddling around, and I've got, yeah, they've done this, they've done that." Is is that you need to be zoomed in to a scale of less and I, I think this is a really bizarre number John so on the on the bottom of them so if when you're back in the GPS map screen um, there's a little scale bar on the bottom of the screen and 
you have to be at a, in at a scale, and it says, well, certainly on my active 20, of a scale less than one in, uh, sorry, one to 37,347. So that is the magic number. Right. And I'd love to know why it has, to, well, I, I just find it a very interesting scale for it to be, which in some, some people rightly could say, well, that makes no sense because it's a one to 25, not a one to 37,000. But once you're at one to 37,347 or less, then you should see your one to 25,000 um, mapping. Brilliant. So really what you're saying is if you've got the platinum card, we need to make sure if you want to toggle between the different map sets, we need to make sure you're zoomed in far enough that actually yeah. it will show each of those map sets. Won't it? Yeah. And uh, just to check the grey little symbols at the top right that it is really because provided they're showing, then it you know the GPS is reading the card properly. Yeah. I think that's the same with most map cards. That's what we found a lot with map cards. And you need to zoom in to see that detail of mapping. Yeah. You know, even if you use yeah. open source mapping or once fifty thousand, it's that common thing. Yeah. I plug my GPS into Garmin Basecamp and I can't see my once fifty thousand map. Well, can you see? Oh, I can see Great Britain. Well, actually, are you wanting to see? You, you will not overlay once fifty thousand the whole of Great Britain. Well, no, exactly. Press the yeah. zoom button, zoom in, yeah. and they go, yeah. "Oh yeah, I can see it now." Yeah. So actually, yeah. zoom, same with open source mapping. If you're going overseas, no, we need to. I had a gentleman this week. No, I, I bought this German car off here. I can't see the German mapping. Well, are you over Germany? Well, no. Well, zoom in on Germany, and we can see yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not there. Well, actually, zoom in. Oh, there it is. No, we need to yeah. zoom in because if you open up. Uh, yeah. base camp or expedition or however if you look at the whole of the country with a map the same as a unit you're not going to see it at 125,000 are you? Alright Ian thank you very much for your Garmin and SatMap top tips for this month You're welcome John Don't forget we have lots of top tips and solutions to all your questions in the GPS training online resource just go to our website which is gpstraining.co.uk click on online resource on the top menu bar and then log in Select the GPS unit that you're looking for, and there's top tips for each of the units and of Garmin Basecamp and SatMap Expedition 2 at the bottom of each menu. And finally, many thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast. If there's anything you would like us to cover in future podcasts, please do get in touch. Please do give us a call, especially if you're thinking about buying a new GPS unit. Please take the time to look at our, both our physical GPS training courses and also our webinars. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on GPS Training Courses. Please do tell your friends about the GPS Training Podcast and also about GPS Training and encourage them to subscribe to whatever platform podcast platform they are listening to us on. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or the Google Podcast for Android users. Just look in the Play Store and download the app on the uh, Google uh, on your Google phone. Don't forget, just search for GPS Training Podcast and subscribe to it. Going back to my course this weekend, Ian, I actually subscribed to one of my podcasts live on the course. She didn't know anything about podcasts, so she gave me her phone and I subscribed to it for her. So that's what we need to do. So if your friends are, I don't know how to subscribe to the podcast, just take the phone off them, find the app, download the app for them, subscribe to them, and then we're guaranteed another subscriber, aren't we?
I'm surely the, the advertising standards people have got something to say about it. But why not? <laughs> if, you are, if you have already downloaded the app, please do leave us a snazzy review on whatever platform you listen to on. It really is appreciated and it helps us rank on the various platforms. Many thanks to Ian for joining me on this month's GPS Training Podcast and I hope you get plenty of opportunity to get out and enjoy the walking over the coming month. Thank you, Ian, for joining me. Thank you very much, John. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.